1: Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zurniel, our co-host, is here. She is a graduate of Trinity University and the University of the Incarnate Word, where she got her master's in geriatric social work. And we're talking about uh, the issue involved in becoming a sudden overnight caregiver. Donna Thompson and Dr. Zachary White will join us on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline. They are co-authors of The Unexpected Journey of Caring, the transformation from loved one to caregiver. And, Carol, that's something we see all the time.
2: Well, we had a recent conversation about, you know, how unexpected caregiving can be, landing in your lap. Uh, is it a choice? Is it not a choice? So, so Donna, start us off. Um, talk a little bit about why this book. Well,
3: Zachary White and I came together because I think we have, like-minded in the sense that we both have um, a lot of personal caregiving experience ourselves and we were very aware that there were there's not a lot out there that speaks to the complexity of the caregiving experience and how it consists of many things that are actually opposite so um Caregiving can be a great burden, but it can also be a joy and really one of the most important things that we do in our whole life. Um, and it's, it's different for everyone as well because the caregiving experience often um, depends on the kind of relationship that you had with a person before uh, you began to care for them So it's so individual and so complicated and so difficult to talk about and, of course, to know what to do to ease the burden of care. So we decided to um, put together some thoughts we've been having over many years of considering these important issues.
2: Well, before we go to Dr. White, talk a little bit about your caregiving experience. Sure. Well, Um, I think I was born with uh, a caregiving
3: star, um, (laughs) under a caregiving star. Um, So my father, when I was a teenager, had three strokes, and my mom and I looked after him at home. And then my mother remarried, and she um, uh, looked after my father, my stepfather, who had Parkinson's. And then our son was born, Nicholas, who is now 31, and he has very severe cerebral palsy and he's medically complex. So he lived with us for 23 years in a home ICU uh, setting and where we gave 24-hour care at home. And now he lives in a nearby care home and we continue to care for him, me and my husband. Um, but from, a, you know, from a bit of a distance now. And um, my sister and I looked after my mom until she died at 96 last summer. So Where, how, I really have been a caregiver all my life. <laughs>
1: how, how did you pick up the skills to run a 24-hour ICU for your son?
3: Well, you know, it's um, it's, it's uh, a bit of a trial by fire when you have a child who... Can't eat or speak or walk or see or or really do you know any of the the normal functions, and also is uh, very ill a lot of time. So we had many kind of near death experiences. Nicholas has had ninety seven hospitalizations, like and um, but he's doing really really super well now. Um, but You know, it is amazing what you can learn and when you have to. Um, And I think that that is really the the heart of caregiving. We do what we have to do for the people that we love.
1: And then how did you and Dr. White hook up?
3: Well, the funny thing is, Zachary will tell you, you know, we really know each other so well, but we have never met in person. Wow. (laughs) We Skype all the time, and when we, over the last two years, we've written this book, and we have talked and talked and talked, and we feel as though we're very close friends now, Um, but I'm I'm coming down to South Carolina, actually, in March, so I hope that... uh, We'll stop in at his house, and I'll be able to actually give him a hug for the first time.
2: <laughs> well, that, well that's, that's fantastic after all of this time. Well, well, Dr. White, welcome to the show as well. Um, and so you're going to be meeting in person, but, but talk, talk to us the connection that you and Donna made. You know, you as the researcher and her as the, having the, the lived caregiving experience. What was it that made mm-hmm. you decide that it was time for the book?
4: You know, like Donna had mentioned, um, the idea of of drawing forth the lived experience and thinking about that from a communication experience, I have a PhD in communication, and my focus has been for the last 20 years on how do we communicate the most difficult truths of our experiences. And like Donna's experiences, my interest in this area of communication um, came about for a personal experience, but it really became heightened by the idea that end-of-life experiences, caregiving experiences, chronic caregiving experiences, are these fundamental experiences that we have that are oftentimes understood because the premises that we have about how we communicate uh, when both bodies are seemingly well and everything is going well just don't really jive with the everyday experiences uh, that caregivers experience. And so I I look to caregivers um, as sources of insights in terms of how they relate with people under the most difficult and trying of circumstances, how they reach out for social support, the challenges of sharing their difficult truths, the reminder that um, the stories we tell ourselves and others shape not only how others understand our experiences, but the meanings that we derive from our care experiences. And so caregiving is in many ways a constellation of all of these things that can teach us so much about how it is to care for another, and and how it is to be a human being in the world.
1: Now, you mentioned you had a personal experience with caregiving as well.
4: Yes, um, I was getting my PhD in communication at the time, and like most of us, when life um, when we're least expecting it, or when we're seemingly least prepared, um, I got a call that my mother was just seemingly ill, and then it became that something more than that that she had brain cancer. So I was at a time in my life which I was able to uh, suspend my studies and and spend time with my mother and father as she was going through radiation therapy for her brain cancer. And so I went through the the kind of the medical life cycle and then it was determined I'll never forget that moment of being in the doctor's office and listening as the, the neurologist told her and us that her diagnosis was now terminal. That what once started as a Uh, one uh, brain cancer now had spread and kind of what that experience is like as I wheeled her out in her wheelchair out of that doctor's office and any other doctor's office forever and into a world in which seemingly no longer made sense. All the doctors and appointments and rehab that we had once counted on were no longer and I was really fascinated by who are these people that are walking into our lives, and what is it that they? How do they orient themselves to this experience of illness and dying differently than most others? And that began my own quest for re-examining how people communicate and make sense of experiences when life is most challenging.
2: Well, you—the title of the book—you know when I when I'm hearing you tell this story. Um, where, you know, you, this relationship evolves, this experience evolves. You talk about transformation, and I hear that in, that, in your description. So um, wh- when you say transformation of loved one to caregiver, what does that mean to you? You know,
4: I think that um, the transformation from loved one to caregiver is the fundamental marker of the caregiver experience. Uh, as caregivers, we always have a pre-existing relationship, with our loved ones. So that separates us inherently from providers like doctors and nurses who are incredible at what they do, but they have the cloak of objectivity. But to be a family caregiver, to be an informal caregiver, you walk into that role because you have some other relationship with this person. At that point in my life, um, when the terminal diagnosis occurred, people walked into our lives that I could never have anticipated. You know, this whole hospice workers, hospice volunteers, and the medical establishment, not not out of ill will or, or malintent, but they disappeared in the background. And um, a whole new world, a whole new set of values and ways of thinking about what care means in the informal spaces of our home, not in the formal spaces of a hospital, not for the extension of life, but for the quality of care and really thinking about what that might mean. And so I became fascinated by these experiences and this whole ecosystem of people who live in the shadows of life. And as we know, this is becoming an increasingly, um, an increasing phenomenon across the care spectrum that um, from beginning of life challenges for parents of neonates and intensive care units to end of life care experiences to the chronic care experience This really is a rite of passage, and Donna and I are very uh, clear about the idea that we respect the differences in people's lived experiences across the care spectrum. At the same time, we really are fervent and believe that there is a caregiver identity that we can draw upon and we can capitalize on and we can make sense of that, that cuts across some of those differences to help us better understand this almost universal experience that people go through it throughout the life cycle.
1: Now, stay with us. We're going to come right back to you. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel. We're talking about the whole question of the unexpected caregiver, how it happens and how it affects your life and the care recipient's life. Donna Thompson and Dr. Zachary White are with us on our Caregiver SOS on our hotline, their book, The Unexpected Journey of Caring. are excited to bring you the all-new WellMed Radio. Our goal is to help make listeners healthier by focusing on health and wellness for adults everywhere. The new WellMed Radio features Dr. Joshua Beck, an outstanding family physician and attorney and veteran broadcaster Ron Aaron. Ooh, that's me. Each week we will focus on health prevention and wellness that's critical to the quality of life. Well Med Radio, Saturday mornings at 7, Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. on 930 AM the answer. We're so pleased you're with us on this journey about caregiving and the unexpected experience talking with Dr. Donna Thompson and Dr. Zachary White on our Caregiver SOS on air hotline. I'm Ron Aaron along with Carol Zerniel. Carol?
2: Well, um it, you were talking uh Dr. White about the identity of a caregiver and you know sort of a a role that can tie all of these different places and types of care and i was fascinated thinking about the different philosophies in in the different types of care programs when you picture a neonatal unit and you picture you know, hospital intensive care, you care at home, a hospice care, you're absolutely right. Those feel differently. And if you're the person going from place to place or transitioning through these different um, spaces in the healthcare system, you, you, you get hit with a, a different philosophy. So did, did you feel that, Donna, you know, or have you felt that in the years that you've been caring for your son and when you cared for your mother? Yes,
3: absolutely, I did. It, it's it's so interesting that um, you ask this and that we're talking about this because I've been reflecting about it a lot lately. Um, the question for me, um, when my mother moved out of her apartment into assisted living and especially when our son moved out of our home, um, into uh, a nearby care home where he received 24-hour one-to-one nursing care. Um, I, I didn't know what my role was anymore. I moved from being <clears throat> a kind of very intensive um, full-time caregiver, um, and, and that being my identity absolutely, to um, how do I be a mom now? Um, when other people are doing his care and the overriding question when people were not under my care suddenly anymore was how can we still be a family when my loved one lives in long-term care like how do we do my mom's 90th birthday party um you know other people are around and they don't have family with them. Are they going to be sad that we're having a birthday party? Like, I just didn't even know how to be a family, and so all of these considerations of um, transformations, <laughs> again and again and again. As you said, Carol, when you move through the healthcare system, and um, needs change, uh, care care needs change. We change. Um, You know, it it is very complicated to try to figure out, and it's very anxiety-provoking. And sometimes these transitions also are a source of grieving. Um, So it's they're very hard to navigate. And I think Zachary and I did not want we very intentionally did not want to ever be um, present these. Ideas or these experiences in a fashion that was cliched, um, because we have great respect for the complexity of the of every single person's different experiences with these things.
2: So, if someone picks up the book, The Unexpected Journey of Caring, what will they find inside?
4: I think what they're going to find, um, Carol, is a deep dive journey and to what happens to them in the process of disorientation as this identity of caregiving is threatening or challenging and perhaps eventually complementing their already existing relationships. So it's both kind of a deep dive into the person as well as their relationships with family and friends to the extent of one of these universal markers of this identity is Uh, unfortunately, a disappointment with family and friends and one's existing network, not, again, because family and friends are bad, but because you are being taken on a journey that you did not anticipate, and as you are reconciling values that you once had with values that are being determined and shaped by the care experiences that you are deeply feeling and have access to that others do not. So the first half of the book is really about the disorientation process, and then the, about the reorientation process. What are you learning? Who are you becoming? What are these values that are particular to your role and your relationship? And the second half of the book, Donna does an incredible job of really thinking about once we've made we're, we're starting to make sense and make meaning out of our experiences and thinking about how to integrate the care narrative into our everyday experiences rather than segmenting it as something that we'll return to once we end our care experiences. Uh, Donna highlights ways in which we can participate in communities, we can leverage care, we can advocate for ourselves and better understand that whole process in terms of the pragmatics and the practicalities of, of being an advocate for yourself and your loved ones in ways that you never thought possible or maybe never needed to actualize some of those skills.
1: It would seem to me people That's ought funny. to re- people should read that book before they become a caregiver.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I think it's so funny. We we caregiving as as Zachary always says caregiving is not a role that any of us choose. Um, it's it's never a role that we think we're going to to take. Um, it's quite different from. Being a parent, um, you know, where you you would read lots of baby books once you've decided you think you'd like to have a child, caregiving is not something that you would choose. So often um, we we tend not to, uh, you know, want to know about these issues. We're hoping it's never going to happen. But uh, it's, you know, I think... um, there are strategies out there that can really um, ease our, our path. And one of them that we talk about in the book, in fact, there's a whole chapter, is about Atlas of Care Mapping. And I think you I spoke to Rajiv Mehta um, from Atlas of Caregiving about um, the tool that he has developed to help people understand who's who and what's what in an ecosystem of care. Um, so that's just one example of a tool that can help people understand um, what's going on in, in their lives. And also, um, I'm a big fan of asset-based community development and trying to help people understand maybe and, and learn about um, some hidden resources in the community that can really help the whole family um, find meaning and purpose and activities and support uh, in the neighbourhood um, when we might at first just be focused on programs and services. Um, and, you know, the neighbourhood can be so much more than that. Uh, but it takes intention and a good uh, kind of business plan to figure out how to live well as a caregiver um, in the presence of aging, chronic disease, or um, you know whatever the caregiving challenges that you have in your family.
2: Well, and I, I'm thinking of an example, you know, those informal resources that you develop when you look around. You know, in, in my family, I, I have a, a family member who doesn't cook. And, and there was a lady down the street whose mother no longer cooks. And so now when she picks up a meal for her mom, she picks up a meal for my family member um, as well, mm. uh, which helps both of us. Yeah. And that's an informal resource. It's not on anybody's list, but it's working well for us.
1: As we talk about uh, and as you were saying donna it 's a whole adjustment as you move into that unexpected caregiving field i'd asked you early on how you suddenly became uh, you know an expert at running in your home what was the equivalent of a high care medical unit i c u at home for your son. Where did you go for help and and, uh, and dr. White, what help is out there for caregivers? who are trying to figure all this out. Let's start with Donna.
3: Well, one of the greatest sources of, of support and information and knowledge um, was actually other parents. My son is was and is non-speaking, so trying to understand, you know, what was happening if I saw a new symptom, you know, honestly, ask another parent of a child with, similar disabilities Um, and in the case of my mom too even she was she was just very reluctant to receive care and boy did she ever need care and it was kind of a catastrophe situation with her and my help was other parents um, or sorry other children of elderly people with dementia and I went online and I said, help me, help me. This is what is going on. Does anybody know anything um, about what I should be doing right. here? And uh, I just got the most wonderful support from other caregivers. So um, I know Zachary will have other ideas as well about, of course, there's, um, you know, program services. You can read up on the medical conditions um, online. Uh, but I did find solace and comfort and support and information from other families.
1: And Zachary, I note that some of the I will court- just add. Yes. Yeah, go ahead.
4: I'll just add what you know to emphasize what Donna said, uh, Ron. In terms of one space in which caregivers um, must become competent in ways that were not true 20 years ago um, in our in our kind of traditional notion of caregiving is becoming. Um, competent in creating, establishing, and developing connections both face-to-face in our neighborhood, in our communities, as well as online. And there's an incredible growing community of caregivers online, defined not simply by the condition or disease of your loved one, but by a desire to understand, as Donna said, ways in which we can begin to find peers who can meaningfully help us, guide, guide us, make sense of where we are, be able to reflect on our experiences in a way with diversity of opinion and perspectives and objectivity to our own experiences in ways that our family and friends
3: may not be able to do.
1: i got to stop you there. We're on, out of time. But The Unexpected Journey of Caring, where do we find the book?
3: The book is available online on all major booksellers, including Amazon and Barnes & Noble.
1: That's perfect. I thank you both for your patience and for joining us. This is a really powerful story, and I'd like to come back to you all in a few months and revisit it, if you don't mind. We would love that. Thank you. Donna Thompson, Dr. Zachary White. For Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. Thank you for listening to Caregiver SOS On Air.